0: Welcome to the Hope Community Church podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope, whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job. We hope you enjoy these messages. We started last week talking about Christmas time and what Jesus brought in his time is still available for us today. So, why don't you stand to your feet? Last time I asked you to stand up till the end. Luke chapter two, this is a Christmas story. Luke chapter two, starting in verse one, we'll read through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went up to be registered each to his own town. Aren't you glad they mail you the census now? keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. In saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then I wanna to read to you Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. We read this last week, just one verse. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government shall pee upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you today Lord, even in the midst of chaos, circumstances that none of us quite grasp or understand or know out of control, the peace of God can step in. And you did it in that time, Lord. You stepped in. And I believe you can do it today. This Christmas time. The peace of God can rule and reign in our lives. And we ask you to do that, Lord, as we look into your word today. Calm us. Bring peace to us. And then, Lord, let us take that with us wherever we go. We thank you for it in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Jesus was born. Angels were dispatched to a group of shepherds. I remember, Jesus' birth was a bit scandalous for Joseph and Mary, Angel had come to Mary and told her she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And, um, I do think it's fortunate that Mary didn't have a doctor. She was constantly going to, because that would have been hard to explain to the doctor. It's hard to explain to her family. It was hard to for her to explain to Joseph. Joseph being a good guy decided not to disgrace her publicly, but was just going to put her away privately and divorce her. And, and, um, the angel got to Joseph and convinced him otherwise. It seems crazy to me that on the verge of having a baby that you would pack up your family and walk to another city pretty long distance away just to be counted in a census. Um, Some of us get jury duty and we're like, oh, we can't manage it. Joseph's packing up his wife, pregnant, pregnant wife, betrothed pregnant uh, to be wife and saying, hey, we're going to go down to Bethlehem because we got to be counted. And they get there. Of course, the place is packed. And they settle for the, for the place that they can get. Mary ends up having the baby and they wrap him up with what they have and they put him in a manger feeding trough. That was assigned to some shepherds who were out in the field watching their flocks, and, um, and the angels came to them and scared the life out of them. And the last thing they say is, "Peace on earth to whom he is pleased; to those he is pleased." I think that's important. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is. Pleased, Isaiah called him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus at that time brought peace into the world. He was the peace that was coming into the world. And I believe he's doing that even today. But I want to make sure you understand something. This wasn't, um, Jesus wasn't a dictator. He didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't born. And then when he started his earthly ministry at 33, he didn't say, I mandate by decree that everybody shall be in peace. He didn't muster up an army to enforce peace, which is ironic that that happens. He brought the opportunity for peace, and that's different than having peace. The opportunity for peace and actually having peace are two different things. Everybody understand that? So, you can have the opportunity for peace, but if you don't take advantage of it, you might not get it. So, what Jesus did is He didn't come and enforce peace and say, everybody has to be peaceful now. He came with the opportunity for you to be peaceful. He came for the opportunity for everybody at that time to be peaceful. He didn't come into a, a peaceful world. The earth wasn't peaceful when Jesus arrived, it was in chaos, just like it is now. You know what hasn't changed? Whenever you put a lot of people in the same place, chaos erupts. Sooner or later, it becomes unpeaceful, doesn't it? The earth was unpeaceful then just like it is now. Matter of fact, just a couple years after Jesus was born, a horrific thing happened in Bethlehem. We we celebrate the birth of Christ, but a couple years after that, it it was a tragic event, a jealous king decreed that all the male children years and under would be killed. Can you imagine? How does the prince of peace come into the world and then chaos erupt even when he's there? Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region, who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Matthew's writing that this crazy, jealous Herod was afraid that Jesus was going to become something that he couldn't and decided to annihilate a generation of young men from Bethlehem. Can you imagine the prince of peace comes into the world he's born and the very town he's born in experiences chaos. So there's an the opportunity for peace and then there's, then there's actually receiving the peace and those are two very different things. Jesus comes to give you the opportunity for peace. He's not gonna mandate it in your life. He's not gonna force you to be peaceful. He's not gonna, he's not gonna say, what, no, no, you, you have to be peaceful today. But every day you wake up with the opportunity to do just that couple things that he did that was super important. We have to remember the reason. We're gonna talk about this next week as well. We're gonna expand on this thing next week about salvation. Jesus came to give you peace, but it wasn't necessarily peace on earth that he was 100% where it was peace with God. You have to remember why Jesus came. It was peace with God is the reason he came. Because the Bible says we were enemies while we were sinners. The Bible says while we were separated from God, while there was, this, there was this chasm between us because we were sinful people from birth. Come on. If you ever had any kids, you know as soon as they come out. Sinful. I mean, let's be honest. When did your kids start lying to you? Like two or three, right? He was in them already. You did not have to teach them how to lie. You're just like, I caught him lying. The devil's already here. We were separated from God, Romans 5, 1. Paul writes this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. So watch this. We have been made right with God because of Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? We've been made right with God. Not a little bit right. He didn't say it was a process of justifying us. He didn't say, "Well, you're almost justified." He didn't say, "You're justified a little bit, but you could use a little more." No, he said, "Now that we have been justified, have been. Period." When Jesus went to the cross, he said this: "As it is finished, over, done. Nobody else has to do anything else to affect this. This is." All-encompassing, it covers all the bases, checks, all the boxes. When you needed to be justified with God, Jesus did that, period. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be super, super good and add anything to it. You can't be any more justified than if you are saved today. You can't be any more justified by being saved another 30 years. If you're justified, if you're made right, you're Right? It's exciting, isn't it? So what he did was he said, okay, you're justified with God. Now that means you're at peace with God. Now there's no more warring between you. There's no more conflict between you and God. There's no more, you're right with God. That's an exciting place to be. That's a confidence builder. I might not be right with you, but I'm right with God. And God's with me. So the first service, when you're justified, uh, can can I speak to, if you would let me a little bit, to some of my Baptist friends who might be coming to church here? Don't raise your hand. And then some of my Pentecostal friends that might be coming to church here. I don't know why I did this side and that side. It's really not that way. Okay, so I grew up in a Pentecostal church where you could lose your salvation by thinking about cussing. Anybody else grew up in a church like that? Where you, you were like, oh man, I thought about cussing and now uh, Lord, would you save me again? Listen, that's not what Paul wasn't talking about. A just, he said, you have been justified. He didn't say you were on thin ice when you were justified. He said, he saved you. You are at peace with God. He didn't say, it's, it's so dangerous. When you, when, you, when you sin, you ruin that peace with God. No, no, no. Jesus justified us knowing that we would sin moving forward. He still justified us. So he, he, made, he made atonement for our sin that we had committed before we met him. And then all the sin we would sin after we met him. if you knew how bad your husband would have been before you married him. The beautiful thing about God is he knew and still justified you. All right, husbands, if you knew, I wanted to make sure I was equal opportunity there. Okay, that's that's the way I grew up. Like, man, you could lose your salvation just in a blink. And we used to use the term backsliding. It's thing, what are we doing here? Backsliding. Now what happens is you go to the other side and you're saved and you could do anything you want. Anybody come from that world? Man, Jesus justified me, let's party. This is good. Jesus justified me. Nothing can stop me now. Paul says, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? No, 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 no. That we turn the justification of Christ into cheap, a cheap commodity if we live that way. No, Paul says that you've been justified, made right with God because of Jesus Christ, and now you're at peace with God. That's nothing to be afraid of, and it's nothing to take lightly. We have been made right with our Savior, with God Himself, who sent Jesus. So that changes things. We're at peace with God now. We're at peace. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm at peace with God now, even if I'm not with you. Look the other way. Don't don't use your first instinct. I'm at peace with God, even if I'm not with you. Because this is so important. I need you to understand, it's so important. Jesus brought the opportunity for peace because Jesus didn't demand your circumstances be peaceful. So he brings the opportunity for peace. He makes us right with God. Peace in our lives comes from being found in Christ. What does it say? Glory to God in the highest one on earth, among peace among those whom with he is pleased. If he's justified you, he's pleased with you. So peace to those with whom he is pleased. Okay, he didn't say, let all those who I am pleased with have peaceful circumstances. Mm -mm. He didn't say the world would now be peaceful because I'm here. He said, if you've been justified, you are at peace now with God. Okay. So he gives us the opportunity to be at peace with God, and that peace with God stops us from what I'm calling the yo-yo effect. He gives the opportunity for you to jump out of the yo-yo effect. Watch this. Okay. I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say, in today's world, 85, 90% of people's happiness is, is connected directly to their circumstances. Amen? So... If you wake up tomorrow and tomorrow goes the way you anticipated tomorrow to go, you're gonna be like, I'll say, How was your day? I'll say, man, It was a good day, man. Everybody did exactly what I wanted. Oh, man, it couldn't have gotten any better. I woke up, it was perfect. Nobody, I was just perfect. I got to work, everybody did what I told them. I'm not even in charge. Can I present to you this? There are no peaceful circumstances. There are only peaceful people. I need you to change your way you think about this. God didn't say he was bringing peaceful circumstances. He said the Prince of Peace was coming into the circumstance. It was a chaotic world. God didn't clean up the world before Jesus came. Even after Jesus came, people were killing each other. So it wasn't that the circumstance of the world changed. It was that the Prince of Peace came into the circumstance. So let's translate that into our time. It's not that your circumstances might improve; it's that the peace of God in you might walk into your circumstance. Okay, so I need you to follow me for a second. Uh, if you if you know me, if you've heard me any length of time, you know I hate prosperity gospel. This whole thing about if I'm connected to Jesus, then my bank account's always bigger than everybody else's. I'm always I'm just I'm just on the ride to the top because Jesus is my homeboy. Right? That's not. That's not the gospel. The gospel is full of suffering. And the gospel, he calls, he calls Paul and he says, I'm gonna show you how much you have to suffer for my name. That's not prosperity. So what we do is we don't overtly adhere to the prosperity gospel as far as money is concerned, but we do adhere to the prosperity gospel as far as circumstances are concerned. And we do it this way. We say, if God is for me, no one can be against me. Ha! God's for you and your family can be against you. So we say, well, I do the right things and I don't know why this situation is like it is. Well, I was nice over here, but I don't understand why the circumstance isn't the way I want it. And so we tie our circumstances to whether God is pleased with us or not, and it has nothing to do with that. Go read Job. There's no point in time at the beginning of Job where God goes, man, I'm just so disappointed in this guy. Devil, why don't you just kill him? None. But Job's circumstances were horrific. I started thinking about circumstances in my life and then the way I respond to circumstances in my life because again, there's no peaceful circumstances. There's only peaceful people. And let me let me just give you another illustration. All of you are gonna, well, hopefully you're not gonna have big Christmas parties, but you're gonna have probably family together. All right. Let me just give you a window. I, I, I just know how families work. Everybody's cool until that person shows up. What are you laughing about? So that's why I know that peace is not a circumstance, peace is a person. Because you can have a great circumstance and everything's fine, and then the enemy of peace, who you might happen to be related to, walks in the living room. You're like, we had a peaceful circumstance, what happened? The circumstance didn't change, the person did. The wrong person walked in the door. So peace, peace isn't just like everything's fine, it's, it's people. And so what happens is we all know who they are. Well, the Jones family's getting together. I like to, all of our kids are living in the house again. (laughs) I'll be home for Christmas. Never thought it would really be true, but they're all back from college and it's, no, it's great. But we're different people now. I like it quiet still. I don't like a loud house. I like a house where sometimes nobody says anything. Shh. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard this 15 minutes in my life. But the kids, got, they're wonderful kids, but they got their, they got their rhythms, and they got their da 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 da. And what you understand is, it's not a peaceful circumstance. It's peaceful people coming together. Is the difference in schedules going to cause that to be peaceful or not peaceful? They can't control that. I can. Because the circumstance doesn't dictate whether I'm peaceful or not. So remember the yo-yo effect. Remember the, remember the circumstantial. If your peace is tied to your circumstance, you will never be at peace. You'll be up one day, down in the bottom the next, day, the next, up one day, down 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 the next. Why? Because your circumstances are rapidly changing every day. If you hadn't noticed, we live in 2020. Yeah, I saw a meme the other day that says, man, today marks five years of 2020, yeah. That's what it feels like. It's like, when is this? Our circumstances just every day you find out you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. It's just changing so rapid. And guess what? If my peace is tied to whether they fix this or not, I'll never be at peace. Who am I going to believe? How am I going to do it? What about politics? What about the coronavirus? uh, So he gives me the opportunity not to be in the yo-yo effect, not to be up and down and up and down. Chris, what do you think about this? You know what, I've got my opinions, but at the end of the day, I'm at peace because God is the Prince of Peace. I'm not waiting on somebody to figure something out. I'm at peace whether it gets figured out or not. We could, put, we could put a whole industry out of work if the church could figure out how to harness the peace of God. L- let, me, let me say this. I have been to psychologist. Yeah. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. I talked to him. I want their advice. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. It's good to sit down and talk to people. It's good to sit down and get another perspective. But the peace that God is offering us passes all understanding. If you're going, I'm not telling you to Stop. What I'm saying was, sometimes the peace of God doesn't make sense in my circumstance. And nobody, no matter how much I talk it out, it will never make sense in my circumstance. All I can rely on is that God has justified me with himself and he's given me the opportunity to have peace no matter what else is going around me. But I've been tricked into thinking I've got to understand everything that's going on around me to have peace. I got the internet, so I need to know everything about a vaccine. I need everything about a coronavirus. Listen, even if I read everything, I don't understand it. Come on, I got a high school education. Sometimes I read books on the Kindle. I got to hold the, everybody hold the word so they tell you what it means. Read a whole sentence. I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying. Just hold every word. I'm like, oh, that's the. I don't need to hold that one. (laughs) Hold the next one. What if you could have peace in the middle of everything you don't understand? What if you have peace in the middle of stuff you were never supposed to understand? What if your peace wasn't tied to anything that was going on around you? What if your peace was not connected to people, but to Him? So, you can jump out of the yo yo effect. Philippians 4, here's the, you know what? Here is the formula Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Lord, here's my circumstance. Here's what's happening around me. Here's where it hurts. Here's where I don't understand. Lord, here's what I can't grasp. Here's what's not working out. All right, check, we did that. Now verse seven. So the prince of peace comes into the world and then Paul writes to the Philippians that that prince of peace will give you peace and the peace of God. Who is the peace of God? Jesus himself went to the cross to make you right with God. So that relationship of you being right with God means in a circumstance that you don't understand and can't control, you can offer it to God now because of Jesus, you can offer it to God now and then the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace that Paul would call him, the God of Peace will now give you peace that passes your ability to understand why you're peaceful that tells me that your peace never has to be tied to your circumstance. Because if I looked at your circumstance, I would probably say, I understand why your blood pressure's up. I understand why you're, why you're flipping out. I Listen, if I wasn't with him, I would be flipping out too. But guess what? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind when you don't understand it. That's the thing, that's the thing. So he doesn't come and mandate peace in your life, he gives you the opportunity to be right with God, which then creates peace in your life in every circumstance. Come on, I thought you'd be happier about that. In every circumstance, in every circumstance, in every circumstance, where guard your heart, go back to verse six, in every circumstance. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, You're like, yeah, but that didn't include my thing. Everything includes your thing. Everything includes your thing. By the way, your thing is not a new thing. People have been doing your thing for a thousand years, whatever your thing is. And when he said everything, he meant your thing as well as the other thing. It's everything. When chaos erupts in the world, the Prince of Peace steps in and says, hey, listen, Remember this. Remember, you've been made right with me, and that's enough peace to cover what you don't understand right now. That's enough peace to cover the chaos. That's enough peace to cover the fight. That's enough peace to cover what you can't control. It's enough peace to cover it, and it will guard your heart and mind. So, He gives you the opportunity for peace. And if you have peace, remember we said we said that there was no peaceful circumstances. There were just peaceful people. So. If you have peace, then you walk as the peace into the situation now, oh, that's different. You know, what just hit me. You could have been the person for the family. It could have been somebody in here, that's awesome. You could have been the, everybody else sitting at the table and when you walk in, they're like, ah, here we go. Gonna be politics now. Going to be coronavirus expert now. Huh? What if you walked in now and the peace of God was in you? Because now if the peace of God is in us, he gives us the opportunity to walk into the circumstance and be the peace in the circumstance. Now it's totally different. Now we're not just asking for peace in us. Now the peace in us is being transferred to other people because God never puts anything in you that he doesn't expect to come out. Did you hear that? God never puts anything in you that he doesn't expect to come out. So here's what I know. If you plant a plant in a pot and the pot ends up being too small, the, pot ha- the plant has to come out, right? Well, I can guarantee you what God has put in you is too, is too big for you to hold onto it forever. So God puts the peace in you. So it's designed not to just stay in you. It's like, oh man, I don't care what's going on. No, it's designed to walk in and that peace come out into every circumstance. So watch this. Jesus in us brings peace to others. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21, bless those who persecute you. You're like, he's on to that thing again. Bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, for evil. But give thought to those to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is my favorite one, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live, and live peaceably with all. Okay, watch this. I love, I love this because we've messed this whole verse up. Um, You've heard, have you ever heard the saying, hit me once, shame on you, hit me twice, shame on me? Yeah. Oh, I ain't, I'm going to turn the cheek once, and then you're getting it in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't walking in with two black eyes. I'll get one for Jesus. The next one, <laughs> you better hope the devil ain't standing on my right shoulder because I'm right-handed. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Problem with Paul writing that verse. He says, we're justified, we have peace with God. And then later he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, it always depends on you. He didn't say until it doesn't depend on you. He said, if it depends on you, be at peace. So what's that mean? That means you always have to be in peace in case it depends on you. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So that makes sense now because when Peter went to Jesus and he said, hey, man, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Seven? Jesus went, hey, listen, Peter, how about 70 Times seven. Now, he wasn't saying count to 490 and then punch him right in the mouth. He was, saying, he was saying hyperbolic, Peter, there is no end to you being peaceable with people. That the peace of God that's in you from being with me, he said, you're with peace. You're with the Prince of Peace. And so when conflict happens and it's time for you, for you to forgive somebody, it depends on you. you thought forgiving somebody depended on them asking for an apology. Nope. It only depends on you. Forgive them anyway. Do good to them anyway. If they persecute you, bless them anyway. Buy them some really nice Christmas gift and then shove it in their face. Gently. With a mask on. If it is possible, for, as long as it depends on you, live peaceably with all beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, come on, this is a call and response. If your enemy is hungry, Amen. feed them. If he is thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. He's saying, listen, peace brings conviction, not fighting. Ha. Uh-huh. You know what the funny part is? There's a lot of people, I just had a conversation about this the other day. There's a lot of people try to argue people into heaven. Yeah. You know you're going to hell. You gotta stop treating people like that. You're awful. You're, you're terrible. I can't believe you do something like that. You know, what, you know what Paul writes? He says, hey man, just love them because as far as it depends on you, be at peace and that peace of God that passes all understanding, they realize that your peace is not connected to any circumstance that you walk into, that peace. And you're like, how can, I don't understand how they could, you know, they do think, how could they treat me so good after I've been so bad to them? Paul says that conviction will be heaped on their head, not because we were argumentative, but because we were peaceful. Hmm. It's funny. It's funny, there's so many circumstances the church has to bring peace into the world and yet we argue, we argue. You know what I find incredible in scripture? Jesus never had an extended argument uh, uh, with anybody about what was wrong or right. There's these little teeny snippets. Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Yep never sat at a dinner table and just argued with somebody until they got up and then went, well, that's what the gospel says. Now he blessed people. Jesus was born in peace. It was peaceful in that manger. When he went to the cross, he went to the cross in peace. There's two criminals on either side of the Bible says spewing out hatred toward the people that were crucifying. Him. And Jesus hung up on the same cross and said, Father, just forgive them. Matter of fact, when he chose to be resurrected, it was in the peaceful break of dawn, with nobody around. Matter of fact, the angel knocked out the guards so there'd be peace. I just wonder if our chaotic circumstance today isn't right for the church to be peaceful. If God came to bring peace into your life, not circumstances, but real peace that doesn't depend on circumstances, and then gave us the golden opportunity this Christmas to walk into a chaotic world and bring that peace with us. (laughs) Let me read you a story. Let me read you a story about during the American Civil War, Fredericksburg, Virginia, December 1862. If There's any Civil War buffs in here. I love these stories. The lopsided battle, the Union Army suffered 12,653 casualties compared to the Confederates Army, 5,377. And one day between 6,000 and 8,000 Union soldiers fell in numerous yet ridiculous frontal assaults that gained nothing. Wounded and dying, Union soldiers were begging for aid and water. A Confederate sergeant, the Confederates were winning this battle. Listen to me. Confederate Sergeant Richard Kirkland had seen enough. He approached his commanding general and said he couldn't bear to hear the pitiful cries of Union soldiers and requested permission to go out into the open and give the wounded enemy troopers some water. With gunfire still being exchanged, the general rejected the idea. Kirkland persisted until the general offered a compromise. Kirkland could give water to the enemy soldiers, but not under a white flag of surrender. They were winning. Kirkland said the general would have to trust in God to protect him. Kirkland did just that, walking onto the open battlefield to give aid and water to the injured and dying Union soldiers. The Union soldiers, still engaged in combat, ceased firing to allow Kirkland the safety he needed to care for their wounded soldiers. Hmm. Once his life-giving mission was complete, Kirkland returned to safety behind the lines. Come on, the band's gonna come up. I'm I'm gonna end with this. You know what the thing the church likes to say? We win in the end. That's awesome. We win. Matter of fact, the battle's already been won. Jesus died it's finished, the battle's won. We're victorious in Jesus. We tell the devil all the time, we beat you, we don't have to fight anymore. And we'll fly the flag of victory. The church is victorious. Nothing can stop us. The church is victorious. But what we fail to do in the victory is realize there's a whole bunch of people suffering. You see, there was one side winning that day overwhelmingly, but it was a side that was winning that decided to go out and have compassion on the ones that were losing. I'm gonna tell you something. We live in an era where I believe there's a, there's a biblical, sensical thing to do with politics, with, every, with everything. But if we win an argument at the sake of the people in front of us, at the expense of the people that God called us to bring peace to. Have we really won anything? It's not enough for the church to stand up and say we're victorious. God called us to run while the bullets are still flying, while the battle is still raging, and bring peace into those people's lives. Stand to your feet because you're gonna to want to walk out after I say this. Listen to me. Listen, if you're online, listen to me. This is all over the country right now. There's political upheaval and turmoil, like many of you have never experienced. It's not that it hasn't experienced, but there's many people living today that have never experienced anything like this before. You win. At the end of the day, you win. At the end of the day, we're victorious in Jesus. So, you know what that means to me? That means that me winning a political argument isn't even worth it. No, 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 don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you can have your opinion, you can't vote, and you shouldn't you, hear me out. I'm saying if there's a soul sitting in front of you, come on. Isn't it worth putting down the guns every now and then? If you ultimately win, isn't it worth putting down the guns every now and then and bring a peace into somebody's life? Come on, if you've been ramped up, I've been ramped up. I listen to it on the radio, I listen to it every, every, every. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. Isn't it worth it Christmas time? just to put the guns down every now and then and just bring peace into somebody's life. Isn't it worth it? Because here's my fear. At the end of the day, the church wins. We didn't have to fight for it. He won the battle for us. So if while we're here, we fight for something we've already won, we end up killing people we didn't need to kill. Come on so my thing is as far as it depends on me I'm gonna be at peace with people who think differently as far as it depends on me I'm gonna be at peace with people who are politically different than me as far as it depends on me I'm gonna be at peace with people who think about coronavirus different as far as it depends on me I'm gonna be at peace with you I'm gonna be at peace with you as far as it depends on me because he won that means we don't have to fight anymore even if the lights go out bow your head and close your eyes. It's a good time to pray. Father, we thank you today that you brought peace into our lives. Lord, it's not even an argument. Jesus came, the Prince of Peace, and that peace is available for everybody standing in the room this morning. It is not hooked to one event in their life. It's not hooked to any scenario, any circumstance. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. God, I pray that every single person here would experience that today you'd bring peace into their lives. And then Lord, I pray that peace would flow from our lives into other people. You've already made us victorious, Lord. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't need to fight with others, Lord. We can be at peace with people. We can bring peace into their lives. And I pray, Lord, that especially at this time, Lord, that the peace of God that passed all understanding would come out of the church. And affect our world like never before. I pray, let us start here, Lord. Let us just be at peace with people and bless people this time. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you, Lord, that we're at peace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, give him praise and honor. He deserved it this morning. Hey, listen, bless somebody your way out, encourage somebody, and we'll see you back here next week. Take peace with you wherever you go. We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.